you are so good to us, better than we deserve. And uh, right now, I just pray that your Holy Spirit will fill this place, fill us. Uh, We want to see what you want us to see through your word today. We are so thankful, so thankful that you have died for us, that you live for us, and that we can live through you. And uh, right now, I just pray that you will move mightily in this service this morning. Um, I pray for anybody that may not know you this morning. I pray that you will uh, reveal yourself to them. And uh, for us that do know you, I just pray that you will reveal yourself more to us. Uh, We thank you in advance for what you're going to do this morning. We thank you for all the many blessings you've given us. We pray that your name will be glorified this morning in this service. In your name I pray. Amen. You may be seated. If you have your Bibles, uh, once again, no surprise, we're going to be in Romans, as we have been through the entire year. Uh, So we are ready for Romans 11. So if you have your Bibles or if you have it on your phone, uh, however you uh, um, look at the the word this morning, but we are going to be in Romans chapter 11. Um, We're going to be looking at verse 1 through 10, and I'm going to go ahead and read that for us. I ask then, has God rejected his people? By no means, for I myself am Israelite, a descendant of Abraham, a member of the tribe of Benjamin. God has not rejected his people whom he foreknew. Do you not know what the scripture say, says of Elijah, how he appeals to God against Israel? Lord, they have killed your prophets, they have demolished your elders, and I, am all, I alone am left, and they seek my life. But what is God's reply to him? I have kept for myself 7,000 men whom have not bowed a knee to Baal. So too at this present time there's a remnant chosen by grace. But if it is by grace, it is no longer on the basis of works. Otherwise, grace would no longer be grace. What then? Israel failed to obtain what it was seeking. The elect obtained it, but the rest were hardened as is written. God gave them a spirit of stupor eyes that would not see, and ears that would not hear, down to this very day. And David says, let their table become a snare, and a trap, a stumbling block, and a retribution for them. Let their eyes be darkened, so that they cannot see, and bend their backs forever. Let's pray one more time. Father God, we we thank you for your word. We thank you that you have given it to us as a gift from you, that you actually share yourself a part of you to us through your word and it is precious and once again we thank you so much for it Uh, right now we pray that your holy spirit will reveal what you want us to see in your word this morning once again we just pray that your will be done in your name i pray amen so once again paul raises another question and we see this through romans continually right Um, if you've been following along in romans and This question, has God rejected his people? Has God rejected ethnic Israel? Why this question? You know, he's raised other questions and they've been very logical through this. And he kind of gets, as a master teacher, um, he seems to ask the questions that a lot of times would logically be the next step along the way. And... You could actually make the case 
that his people, God's people, his chosen people, ethnic Israel, has actually turned their backs on God. Why would I say that? Well, it seems throughout the, the whole of the Bible, after, after, the, the chosen, after they were chosen, if you will, um, God would bring prophets, and they would kill the prophets. They would be against the prophets. They disobeyed. And uh, th- for a while, they would, they would be in God's uh, will, if you will. They would be following what he would want them to do, and then all of a sudden, they would disobey him and go into disobedience. And then um, they would just go into this pattern. Um, we see John the Baptist coming on the scene. And what happens to John the Baptist? He, he gets turned over and killed. Um, and then ultimately, Jesus, the Messiah, the promised one that they've been looking for all these years... What happens? They turn him over to be killed and kill him. And so uh, I, I believe it's a legit question, just as these previous questions. And, and what's Paul's response to all of this? Has God rejected his people? By no means. And once again, um, we've seen this, this answer to a lot of these questions that he raises in, in Romans. And it is the strongest no that you can give in the Greek, in the original Greek. Um, and this is the ninth time that we see him saying, by no means. The strongest no, if you will, it would be like, no, no, absolutely not, no way, absolutely not, that God did not reject his people. And so we see this, and, and why would Paul say this, because first off, God is faithful, and, and we're going to see this. Um, Romans chapter 3, verse 3, what if some were unfaithful? Does that faithfulness nullify the faithfulness of God? By no means. Once again, Paul's saying the same thing, and he, so he touched on this earlier in Romans chapter 3, and he's just going to double down on this. So Paul actually throws out some evidence, evidence to prove what he is saying. So the very first, the first proof of evidence, if you will, is a personal proof. Who is Paul? Well, Paul says, look, I am actually an Israelite. A descendant of Abraham, a member of the tribe of Benjamin. He, he, he starts just throwing out his credentials. In fact, in, in Philippians chapter 3, uh, verse 4 through 5, he says he, he, he was actually a, a Pharisee, which is actually even set more apart from, the, from all of Israel. He is, Pharisee actually means set apart. He was a teacher of the law. He was, he was all these things. Um, he, he, he touts that he's a Hebrew of Hebrews. And so, um, so Paul says, look, I'm an Israelite. I'm a descendant of Abraham. I can, I can trace my lineage back to Abraham himself. Um, I'm actually a, a Pharisee from Philippians. Um, I'm from the tribe of Benjamin, which honestly was probably one of the, if you're going to look at the the status quo of, of all the tribes, it's probably one of the better tribes to be in. Uh, it, was, it remained the lo- loyal, the longest to God. Uh, it was the first king of Israel was out of Benjamin, Saul, who actually the apostle Paul was named after. And uh, in, the, in, in the, the tribe itself, the city of Jerusalem comes out of that. And so uh, Paul is touting these credentials and saying, look, God has not failed his people because he hasn't failed me. He actually saves me. So 
the very first proof that he shows is it's a personal proof that he, that he is actually part of Israel and God saved him. The second proof that, that God pulls out, or uh, that, that Paul pull, pulls out, is in verse 2. God has not rejected his people whom he foreknew. That, that word right there, foreknew. So he's pointing at a doctrinal or a theological proof. God has not rejected his people whom he foreknew. He foreknew them. Just as we've seen the, the, the term foreknew before, about people being saved, and, and we've, we've, we've uh, talked about that, and I'm not going to go into that too much, but he foreknew Israel. God chose them. He chose them from the beginning of time, just like he chose us to be saved. Um, he made his affections onto Israel. And did he choose them because they were going to be the best nation ever? <laughs> Absolutely not. It's actually a picture of what he does for us. Um, in Deuteronomy chapter 7, uh, verse 6 through 8, if you want to turn there, you can. Uh, but uh, it, it, 6, it says he chose them. In 7, it's, it, it, the reason isn't because they were the most numerous and the best, the best nation out there. Um, in fact, they were the least of all these nations when God chose them, which is pretty amazing to think about, right? And our, our thinking that, you know, man, God just chooses because they're going to be a winner. Well, if you look at the grand scheme of things in our human thought process, Israel was not exactly the nation to pick. <laughs> it would not be your number one draft pick. Um, it might be like the Detroit Tigers. I think they're having a really bad year this year, um, uh, you know, of, of, of baseball, if you will. Um, but he chose them. And in verse 8 it says, because the Lord loves them, and he, he throws an oath at them. And so, and he gives them an oath that he is going to use them. And they are his people. And so there's, there's actually a mystery here, once again, of why he does this. And, and a lot of times, God's way of doing things, it's a mystery to mankind. But his ways are perfect. His ways are beyond our mind uh, and human schemes and human strategies. And so we see this, that he, he gives them this oath that he is making them his people, and he is going to keep them. Uh, in Jeremiah 31, he makes a covenant with them. And a covenant is not a contract. A covenant is, look, I'm making this promise to you, regardless of what you do, I am going to keep this, this promise to you. And, and so we, we see that he promises his people that he will never let them down. And then third, there's a historical or a biblical proof here. In chapter, or chapter 11, verse, uh, it, 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 middle of verse 2, we see, Do you not know what the scripture says of Elijah? how he appeals to God against Israel. Um, I just want to take a moment here and, and talk a little bit about the story of Elijah. Elijah is a prophet, if you don't know uh, the story of Elijah. And we see that God's people, Israel, had turned, his, turned their backs on God and started worshiping a false god called Baal. And because of this, God brings a drought about 
And one thing leads to another. There is a showdown, if you will, of the prophets of Baal versus Elijah. And they basically are, Elijah challenges them to a, a duel, if you will. And they are challenged to bring fire down from heaven to their altar. And uh, they can't do it. And Elijah does do it through God. And God lights the altar on fire. And it's a big victory. It's a huge victory. In fact, all the prophets of Baal are put to death after that. And, and in the, after that, the aftermath of that, we see Elijah run for the hills because there's an evil queen that puts a hit on Elijah's head. And this is at this moment when Elijah's talking to God saying, Look, God, all of your people have failed you. Nobody is, is, is for you anymore. I'm the only one doing something for you. And what does God, what does God say? God's response is, Actually, actually, there's 7,000 men that have never bowed down to Baal in Israel. I have, I have reserved these men. Um, I have kept them from, from bowing down to Baal. And uh, obviously this is a surprise to Elijah because he thought he was the only one. He thought he was the only one that did not bow down. And a lot of times we think we see the whole picture, but God knows more about it than we ever will. And so um, we see here that transferring into um, this present time then in verse 5, Paul says, so too at this present time there is a remnant chosen by grace. So we, we, see, we see that these three examples, if you will, these three proofs are all actually done by grace. And what do I mean by that? Well, first off, who was Paul besides being an Israelite? Was he a good person? Well, he was actually on his way to go kill people and to round up the church and persecute them before his conversion, before Jesus got a hold of him and, I like to say, zapped him on the road to Damascus and got his attention. The nation of Israel, do they actually deserve the, the, uh, the Israelites? Did they deserve God as they were being disobedient over and over and over and over again as they killed God's prophets, as they, as they, as they did these things? Do they actually deserve God? I would say probably not. And yet God keeps them by grace. And, and, the, and the pure fact that this remnant, this, this, this 7,000 that did not bow down to Baal, a lot of times we would think that, well, you know, uh, wow, good job, guys. You, 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 you did this. And no, I, I think you can make a case. I have kept for myself 7,000 men who have not bowed a knee to Baal. So too, at this present time, there's a remnant chosen by grace. I think you can connect that and say, why didn't these men bow down to Baal? It's purely God's grace in their lives, not allowing them to give in to the popular culture at the time to bow down to a false god. And so all three of these, all three of these, 
are truly examples of God's grace historically to Israel. And as, as we see, Paul is, Paul is making this case that everything, everything done for Israel has been purely by grace. Just as we, believers in Jesus, have been given grace. And so then he goes into the present reality, if you will. Um, verse 5. So too, at this present time, there is a remnant chosen by grace. What does this mean? This, this res- so it, it, it's, it's present time that Paul was talking. I believe it's a present time from, from when Paul wrote this all the way to now. That it's still going on. And so who is this remnant that we're talking about? Well, I believe that it is a remnant of, of, of Israelites, if you will, of ethnic Jews being saved, putting their trust in the Messiah, in Jesus Christ. And so, too, you see that, that, that God is working even within the ethnic Israel to this day. So there is a remnant. What, what, what is a remnant? A lot of times, um, have, has anybody ever gone to the carpet store or bought a piece of carpet uh, for something just really small or maybe linoleum, right? And you, need, you just need a, a little piece there and there's a remnant, right? A lot of times that's, that's what we use it in today's terms. It's a little piece of something. And we see that this, this, this is basically what, what he's talking here. There's, there's, there is a little piece of ethnic Israel, of Jews, being saved by grace to this day. It's a small piece, but yet it, it, it is, God is still being faithful to his people. And he is saving people even today in ethnic Israel. Chosen by grace, they are not being saved by their own merits, but by God's sovereign grace. That he is, he is doing something there, that he is um, allowing them to understand and giving them eyes and ears to hear and see that they need Jesus, that Jesus actually is the promised Messiah from the very beginning. And so, this remnant, the small leftovers, have been chosen out of God's people, which is pretty amazing. And, and, and once again, this is the point that Paul is making, that this is, this is why God has not given up on Israel. He is still saving Israelites today. Um, the, the, the term chosen here, um, we can, uh, it would be the same, the same type of language that when David went and chose five different stones out of the creek bed. Um, the, same, the same language, choose out of Joshua, choose you this day who you will serve. Um, same word to make a choice out of many. And so God is choosing a remnant out of Israel right now. He's, he chooses certain, certain individuals out of that nation, but not, not all. And, and once again, there, there's somewhat of a mystery there. But um, he is being faithful to Israel because of that. 
um, as, as, we, as we see here in, in verse 6. If it is not by grace, it is no longer a basis of works. Otherwise, grace would no longer be grace. And I really feel like this, this chapter, or verse 6 right here, is, is really the, the, the kind of the fulcrum, if you will, of this, this whole section here that we're looking at. Um, it's either all by works that we're saved or all by grace. You can't have a hybrid and you, it, it, it has to be either, either or. And we know, we know that our works are like filthy rags. That our works will not get us to God. That we, the, the perfection that God demands out of our works are not enough. If anything, the law reveals that. And so it has to be, it has to be by grace. Salvation is not by human works. It's by divine working. It's not by human merits. It's by divine mercy. It's not by human innovation. It's by divine innovation. And so it's either all by grace or it's nothing. And this, this really does set it up for the rest of the, the, the chapter here as, as Israel is struggling um, to get to God. So verse 7, what then, what then, has Israel failed to obtain what it was seeking? What, what, what is Israel seeking? Well, I believe in this context, it is, it is actually seeking right standing with God. They are laboring to try to get to God. They are trying to do it on their own by whatever means that they can try to do. The elect have obtained it, once again, by grace, but the rest were hardened. And then it goes on, and it's, it's almost like it's an empty search, if you will, seeking on their own. Um, Romans chapter 9 Verse 31, starting in verse 31, it says, But that Israel who pursued a law that would lead to righteousness did not succeed in reaching the law. Why? Because they did not pursue it by faith, but as if it were based on works. They have stumbled over the stumbling stone. So right there, even in in, in Romans chapter 9, as Paul is talking about Israel's unbelief and the, the fact that they don't get what God is doing through Jesus. The fact that they are struggling. The fact that they are trying to do this on their own. Um, they are actually searching. They're seeking on their own. They are trying to do this. They're striving on this all on their own. And ultimately, that leads to failure. They actually turn their backs on grace. Chapter, chapter 10, verse, starting in verse 2. For I bear them witness that they have zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. For being ignorant of the righteousness of God and seeking to establish their own, they did not submit to God's righteousness. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. And so here we see that they have, 
basically turned their backs on Christ. They have turned their backs on the law, or on, 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 the, uh, on Christ, God's righteousness, on his free gift. And they, with zeal, they seek to establish their own. They don't submit to God's righteousness. They try to submit to their own righteousness, which will get us in trouble every single time when we are trying to do it on our own, when we are trying to strive to get to God. Ultimately, ultimately, all religion that seeks to find acceptance or right standing with God apart from grace is an empty seeking of something that they absolutely cannot find or obtain. Let me say that one more time. It's, a, it's, it's kind of a mouthful. All religion that seeks to find acceptance or right standing with God apart from grace is an empty seeking of something that they cannot find or obtain. And I will, I, will, I will say this. I would say every religion in the world is that way. Outside of Christianity. Outside of Christianity, every single set of religious rules and regulations, every set of religion out there is trying to get to God. Somehow making themselves right with God. Even a secular religion. What do I mean by that? Humanism? Even some of today's popular wokeism, there is always a striving to be a better person in that. And I am trying to make myself better off somehow. There is always some kind of work that I have to do to try to achieve something. And we, when you go down that road, you're missing God totally, even though you're maybe working really, 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 really hard for him. Seeking righteousness by your own works is never, ever, ever going to get you to God. In, in Matthew chapter 5, 48, Jesus says, You therefore must be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. That's the standard to get to God. And our own righteousness, our own works our own trying to do something to get to God is never going to get us there. And honestly, guys, we, we have to be super aware of this in our own lives. I know that this, ver- this, this, this piece of scripture right here is specifically talking about Israel, but we ourselves can slip into something like that very, very easily especially in this community of being religious. On the east side, maybe the religious is, religiosity out there is a little bit different. Um, not driving a car or maybe not having a zipper. Um, but over here, we have a religiosity as well. Uh, just this week, I had a conversation with somebody, and he, he, he said, well, you know, I, I, I'm kind of a Christian. And I said, what do you mean by that? Well, you know, I just, I just try to do good things, and I just try to do this, and I don't want to cheat anybody, and I won't cheat on my taxes, and, and I'll be okay. Uh, no. No. It's, it's good to be good, but that's not going to get you to God. Um, I just had another conversation with another gentleman uh, this week, and, uh, you know, he knows that I... Uh, uh, I came on the church full time last year about this time, and um, then I'm a pastor. And he he uh, 
He goes, well, you know, it makes sense. It really makes sense. You know, I, I knew your grandfather, and you just come from a great family. And it just makes sense that you would be doing this. And I'm like, no, no. My, my heritage has nothing to do with this. It is God that has saved me and God that is doing this in my life. And it's all purely by grace that I'm where I'm at, that I'm, I'm even know that I need Jesus. It's, it's purely by grace. And I was trying to share this, and he just looked dumbfounded at me. Like, he was just like, what? And so even in this area over here, on the West, we have a form of religiosity that if we just go to the right church or if we just have the right family, we're going to be okay. And that is furthest, furthest from the truth. The gospel says that we are all fallen and that we all need Jesus. That, that is the only way, the only way that we will ever, ever, ever get to God. So we see here, what then? Israel failed to obtain what it was seeking. The elect have obtained it. And we see here that there is a, there is a elect inside God's chosen people. That there is an elect inside the elect, if you will. That there is a, a people that are set apart inside God's chosen people that are being saved. They are being justified by grace. They have obtained right standing with God. Which is, which is amazing. And it, it sounds very similar. It sounds very similar from, from chapter 8, verse 28. And we know that those who God loved, who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called to according to his purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son in order that we, he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined he also called, and those whom he called, he also justified, and those he justified, he also glorified. And it's the same thing happening here. We see God calling out and by grace saving, saving these, these elect, these remnant, if you will, of people of Israel. But what about the rest? The rest were hardened, it says. And once again, we, we have a hard time wrapping our mind around this. Um, you know, we, we talked about the uh, earlier in, in, in a couple chapters before about Pharaoh being hardened. And uh, sometimes we have a really, really hard time. There's a mystery here of, of exactly how this works out. And um, I just have to, I have to believe what the Bible says is true in this. And I do know this. When it talks about they were hardened, they were made stubborn. I believe that he, what he's talking about here is they were made stubborn against Jesus, the gospel, against God, actually. This hardening has been done in the heart, but God did not put it there. Hearts are not neutral. Our, our, the Bible's very clear about it. Our hearts are wicked and that's our human nature. And so I believe, I believe as we see this, that there are the rest of Israel here, the ones that are being hardened, if you will. And, and, and does God, God gives them over to a spirit 
um, that hardens them even more. But it starts with their own hearts, that they were stubborn, that they wanted to seek God on their own and not allow God to work through them. Not to surrender their lives to God, but to do it their way, not God's way. And I think that, that really is at the root of a lot of this. Um, as we see in verse 8, Paul then just kind of goes into this. And he goes, as is written. And he takes three, um, three sections of the Old Testament and, and, and brings them all to bear. So if, if you look at the Old Testament, a lot of times you can break it up by the law, the prophets, and the writing. And so he... He actually brings all three into this. So this is consistent with Scripture overall. Um, and and where, what does Paul, Paul do? He, he goes, God gave them a spirit of stupor, eyes that would not see and ears that would not hear, down to this very day. God gave. He, he's, he's actively doing this. Them, the unelect, the people that do not believe, the people that do not believe in Jesus, in, 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 in the ethnic Israel, if you will, um, a spirit of stupor. Uh, what does that mean? Unable to respond. Um, it actually means, if you, if you do a little research, it actually means total inability to respond. It actually, um, if you put it in layman's terms, it's almost like my arm is going to sleep. If I lay on my arm and it gets the tinglys and I can't pick my arm up and I can't do a whole lot with my arm anymore um, after, after going to sleep, that's actually... A, a, a pretty good um, example of what this actually means. That there is a almost like just a, a, a spirit of just total inability to respond. Um, once again, I believe that God has done this for them because this is what the Bible says. Um, their eyes can't see. There's a spiritual blindness that they absolutely cannot see that Jesus Christ is the Messiah. Ears that can't hear. There's a spiritual deafness that comes over them that they can't understand. And honestly, guys, every single one of us, if we have put our trust in Jesus, why have we been able to do that? It's purely because of the grace of God and God's Spirit opening our hearts, opening our, our eyes, opening our ears to understand that we even need Jesus. And so, it is a huge blessing from God. And once again, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm not trying to deviate from the text here because this is talking about Israel, but it is a huge blessing for us if we even have put our trust in Jesus. The only reason that we have been able to put our trust in Jesus is because Jesus, because the Holy Spirit has opened our eyes in our ears for us to even understand that we need him. That's a huge blessing. And so let's not ever take that for granted. It's not because, well, one day I just really, really decided that I needed to follow Jesus and I was just smarter than everybody and that, that, that's why I, I decided to follow Jesus. It is, it is because God has taken the blinders off of us, off of me, off of you, if you put trust, your trust in Jesus. And so my, my faith, my everything that God has done for me in salvation belongs to him. And all credit is due to him. 
And that is truly amazing. And so let's not take it for granted. Let's not take it like, eh, no. It, it wasn't just because I heard the message and I decided I need him. There is somehow God's spirit stirs us. Somehow God's spirit reveals to us that we actually do need him. When I was um, back in 95, I had uh, gone on a missions trip, and uh, I was uh, there for about a month and very lonely. And some of you guys know this story, but I was very lonely. Um, and Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 was a, was a verse that was very instrumental in my life in my senior year in high school. And so that verse seemed to be popping up every time I had a question about what I was supposed to do. And one night, as I was very lonely um, in a Romanian household, uh, very homesick, I got up to go to the bathroom down this long hall, dark hall. And just before I turned to go to the bathroom, I saw on the, on the wall, now mind you, I've been there for about a month, a big plaque that said Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, written out in English, there on the wall. And I was praying to God if I was supposed to be there. Um, not that I could have gone anywhere, <laughs> because I had almost a year, a year there. Um, but um, a month in, I was praying, God, surely you can't, you can't have me here, right? And um, in that moment of me praying and crying out to God, he, he reveals to me this sign. So the next morning, and I'm like, okay, God, I'm supposed to be here. The next morning, I go to my Romanian host family at breakfast, and I said, when did you put this sign up? And they said, oh, about two years ago. Now, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 is a very special verse to me to this day, but specifically in that, in that time in my life. I passed that, that picture frame, and this picture frame was huge. I mean, it might have been about half the size of that TV. So it was, it was huge in English. For about a month, I passed over that, that, that picture without seeing it. Why? I believe that God blinded my eyes to it until he wanted me to see it. And so he does with salvation at times. I believe that he takes the blinders off and I believe that he takes the, the gives us ears to hear when we need to see it and hear it. If he can do that for a plaque, I know he can do that for salvation. So we see this. It says that God gave them a spirit of stupor, eyes that could not see, ears that could not hear, down to this very day. And, and I, once again, I believe that it was from the time that Paul wrote this all the way to right now, to this present day. Um, to this very day, there are, there are Jewish people trusting in Jesus, realizing that he is their Messiah. But it's a remnant, if you will. It's a small minority. But to this day, there are ethnic Jews still rejecting and not accepting Jesus as the Messiah. And they are actually hostile. They are actually enemies to the cross. Now, this doesn't mean that we are to treat Israel as a, 
as an opposing force to us, we need to pray for them. We need to pray that, that God is going to continue to reveal himself to them, that God is going to continue to save them. But this is a reality. Um, I was just reading an article a while back. There is a uh, Jewish church in Israel right now that is being harassed, that is being vandalized, that is the local authorities are, are just being very abrasive to them because even though they are traditionally Jews and they are, they are doing a lot of the Jewish traditions, they have come to the realization that Jesus is the Messiah. And they are being persecuted. Just as other churches and other places around the world are being persecuted in Israel. Um, and so we see that there are, there's a hostility to the gospel from, from the ethnic Jews, ethnic Israel. And once again, that does not mean that we need to be mean at them. That doesn't mean that we, we uh, uh, go after them. It means we need to pray for them. We need to pray that, that God's people his chosen people from the very beginning of, of the Bible will be shown and that the blinders will be taken off that they need Jesus. Um, and I believe that that's Paul's heart as he, as he earlier in the book of Romans talked about how he wants to see his fellow countrymen saved. But then he also, in, in verse 9, it says, and as David says, let their table become a snare and a trap, a stumbling block and a retribution for them. Let their eyes be darkened so that they cannot see and, their, and bend their backs forever. We see that uh, in some ways Paul is saying that they are being trapped by what they believe are their good works, um, by their own, own means. And they will continue to be working through and trying to achieve and and. and this burden that they have um, of them trying to strive to get to God uh, in the very last part of that and bend their backs forever. Um, I would say that that's just a very laborious intensiveness that they are they're going to be going through because they're trying to achieve to get to God and trying to achieve that perfection. Um, and once again, folks, we just need to pray. We need to pray that, that God will lift these blinders off of them. Um, worship team, you can come on up. <clears throat> so, a few takeaways that I would like us to see in this, in, this, in this section. And once again, primarily uh, written for Israel. Uh, primarily, um, uh, what, what about Israel? the ethnic Israel, but some of the takeaways that I, I, I think that we can take away from as, as, as non-Israeli, non-Jewish people is first, God is faithful. God is always faithful. Even, even when we don't deserve it, He is faithful. He is, he is never, ever going to fail, even when we fail Him. And so he is, he is always going to be there for us. He is always going to be there for his people. Second, God is working. Um, 
even when we don't see it. Going back to the example of the 7,000, we can look around and say, you know, man, why isn't, why isn't there more people doing what God wants them to do? Well, I believe that God is always at work, and even when it feels like things are falling apart, God is doing things. Even when it looks like utter defeat, God is doing things. What is the ultimate example of this? I dare say the cross. Jesus went to the cross. Jesus died on the cross. And what happened? His disciples were scattered and they said, man, we're, we're done. It's defeat time. We need to run and hide. And three days later, Jesus rises again. And there's victory. And ultimately, even, even think about this. The Jewish nation put Jesus to death in a kangaroo court in an unfair way, which has led for their salvation. That, that's that's kind of wild to think about, isn't it? Talk about a twi- twist plot. God is always working, even when it feels like he is not. And third, how God works. It's all about grace. Something that we, as human beings, have a really hard time wrapping our heads around. Um, it is not dependent on us. It is dependent on God. And we need to be more dependent on God every, every single day. Even in the midst of what looks like things are going wrong. Even in the midst of maybe sharing the gospel with somebody. And it seems like that person is not receptive. I have to trust that God is working in their lives. And giving it to God rather than me trying to take it on. God is good, guys. And God is, God is always always doing something. He is always at work and he works in mysterious ways. Um, with that, let me pray. Father God, we, uh, we thank you so much for who you are and what you've done for us and we thank you for your faithfulness. We thank you that it, it, it um, even though we don't deserve it, your faithfulness is always there and that your faithfulness will never leave us. Um, We thank you that you are uh, a good and gracious God and that you you love us. Um, We do pray for uh, Israel right now, and I just pray that you will continue to add to the remnant, that you will save them and uh, rescue them from their own blindness. Um, Once again, we, uh, we thank you and we praise you for all your many blessings. In your name I pray, amen.